Well, it's another good news, it's bad news day. We had stronger than anticipated services ISM numbers in the United States, and that's seen equities fall. And then OPEC Plus said that they are going to cut by 2 million barrels a day. Mr. Putin is going to be happy about that. And ahead of the non-farm payrolls at the end of the week, the new look ADP employment numbers showed resilience in the job markets. And if their numbers are to be believed, we can see why the Fed is worried about a wage spiral. And the RBN said yesterday, lifted rates by 50 basis points, but it could have been more. It's Thursday, the 6th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks not quite so positive today. The Nasdaq has fallen a further quarter percent at close. The Dow down 0.1%. The S&P down about 0.2%. Energy stocks, not surprisingly, doing well on the news of those OPEC plus cuts. In Europe, the DAX is back down 1.2%, half a percent off the FTSE 100, 1% off the Euro stocks 50. The U.S. dollar is back on the rise. It's up 1% on the DXY. The Euro is down against the U.S. dollar by the same amount. The U.K.'s pound is doing slightly worse. That's down 1.3%. The Aussie dollar was losing, flat now though, around 65 US cents. Bond yields are on the up, 12 basis points added to 10-year treasuries, 16 added to 10-year bunds in Germany and 10-year gilts, also up 16. Uh, 10-year Italian yields are up 29 basis points to 4.45%. Australia, meanwhile, yields down 10 basis points yesterday for 10 years at 3.63%, but up to 3.81% in futures this morning. And oil, no surprise at all here, it's up a 1.8% rise in Brent, up almost 92, almost $93.50 a barrel. The only surprise is it's not more. WTI up 1.5%. Why? Because OPEC Plus has spoken. Here's NAB's Rodrigo Cotrill, back from his holidays. And uh, Rodrigo, 2 million barrels a day. That's the size of the cut, enough to signal to the markets that they are serious. OPEC Plus is serious about getting prices back under control. Well, under their control, anyway. Um, morning, Phil. Yeah, so I suppose the... The move up in oil needs to be seen in in what we've seen in the past few days because this has been telegraphed uh, uh, for a couple of uh, a couple of days now. And last week, for instance, we were talking about one million, and and now uh, you know the number went up to 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 far to sorry to two. So, um, uh, but overall, yeah. uh, it's been sort of widely expected, and if anything. Um, I suppose the interesting thing here is is the reaction coming from the U.S. is is very disappointed uh, by, mm. by the president, not happy, and, and the, the increase in yep. in the in the reserves. Uh, the U.S. is going to now release another ten millions in terms of those reserves, um, given the, the the prospects, of course, that we have the midterms elections coming, and um, this is not something that uh, President Biden was was hoping to uh, to see. So. But overall, it's just a reminder that, you know, OPEC does control the market and, and it, it's, it sets a, a bit of a flaw, if you like, in terms of expectations of how low oil prices can go from here. Uh, we always thought that anything below, you know, that $90 mark will, will make them uncomfortable. And clearly they want to keep that uh, oil price, if you think of Brent oil, um, just above that $85 mark and, um, and certainly sets the scene for, um, for what to expect over over the next 12 months as well. Well, the US concerns, aren't there, is partially inflation, isn't it? And uh, although, you know, if it doesn't move too much, then perhaps it's not going to have a big impact on that. But, uh, you know, it's you know, is it bolstering the finances for Putin? But on that, you know, the EU is uh, has got that plan to impose a price cap on Russian oil that's transported by sea, 
will they get that over the line there? And will all of G7 play ball on it? Because so, they still haven't figured, figured that out. I mean, so, you know, apart from how is it going to work? What's the cap going to be? How will they police it? And who, who's going to sign up to it? Apart from that, they're pretty close to getting that one sorted out. Yes, uh, I, I, there's a lot of details there in terms of how you can effectively make it work. Um, uh, so a lot of question marks. Mm. But uh, in theory, it's all about also the insurance uh, in terms of how you, you move those tanks around. Uh, and, and that could potentially prove effective. Um, but overall, yeah, it, it does challenge a little bit of what, what sort of how Russia can make money. But at the moment so far, we, we know that they've been able to actually still sell at a pretty decent price. And, and of course, India and China will be the big players in terms of whether they they will play ball or not. Uh, so that remains to be so seen. So it wasn't uh, this news really that was driving the share market in the US today, was it? Because because the, we saw shares well down uh, sort of mid-morning time. Uh, the, uh, the, the S&P was down about 1.7%. So uh, some of that, presumably, or most of that, came from the good news is bad news scenario again because we had the non-manufacturing ISM, which came in at 56.7, which is a bit higher than anticipated. And new orders were strong too. So, uh, you know, if the market was uh, looking and thinking the Fed is going to pivot, uh, this was uh, very strong anti-pivot news, I would have thought. <laughs> yes, uh, to, to be fair, the, the S&P did open lower, it got lower at the beginning, and, and as you say, uh, mm. an hour or so later, we had the ISM numbers coming through, uh, and then we saw it decline further uh, on, on the day. Um, at the moment, the, the, uh, if anything, is a reminder of how the market's been reacting to all this economic news. You, you had the manufacturing survey last week, on Friday uh, coming lower, and, and that, again, as you say, was treated as good news. Um, uh, but certainly the market is very sensitive to this idea that the Fed is very close to that pivot or to uh, slowing down the, the pace of hikes at least. Um, uh, but certainly the, the data coming through overnight just highlights that it's a little bit too early yet to, to start talking about that, the ISM service. The services sector in the U.S. is the biggest component of the biggest sector, if you like, compared to the manufacturing um, and, and the surveys revealing that uh, all is all is well so far. Uh, they are not only in terms yeah. of um, you know the demand for activity in terms of the service sector, but also in terms of the employment side, where we saw the that employment index actually tick a little bit higher as well. Um, and then uh, uh, measurements of prices, while coming down a little bit, they're still very elevated uh, around 68.7. So. Uh, this inflationary pressures coming through and the, the health, uh, if you like, or tightness of the labour market is still very much evidence in, in the ISM services. Survey. And I don't know how uh, how reliable the new ADP employment numbers are, you know, they, but, you know, they've revised their methodology. These are all private sector jobs as well, of course. 208,000 extra jobs in September, up from 180,000 extra in August. So, I mean, if those are believable numbers, that's not going to help uh, with, the, uh, with, with the Fed's position either. Plus, and, you know, again, how reliable are these numbers? The, the pay numbers in that report are staggering. So annual pay in September was up 7.8%. That sounds rather a lot to me. Wages for job changes, 15.7%. And we know lots of people have been changing their jobs. Now we know why. 15.7% pay increase. And that's actually down slightly from 16.2% in August, which is still a big number. So you can see why the Fed is, is worried about uh, spiralling inflation driven by wages. Yeah, uh, I was looking at the numbers as well, and uh, as you say, it's difficult to calibrate in terms of the, you know, how how much of a steer this is for for what to expect for non-farm payrolls on Friday. Mm. Um, but putting that aside, the, the reality is that this is a pretty comprehensive survey, and it's telling us that the labour market is still very, very, very tight. Um, wages yep. around seven point eight percent 
is is too high, and and um, it, it basically favours the, the view that the, the Fed still needs to carry on hiking, um, given those inflationary pressures that are still coming through the pipeline. Yeah, so another reason they're not pivoting, and we get uh, the weekly jobless claims tonight as well, ahead of the uh, non-farm payrolls on Friday, and we've, you know, they've been uh, they've been showing a great deal of resilience as well. Look, quite a few bond yeah. auctions in the last twenty four hours, uh, and a sign of how much borrowing costs have have moved in the UK. Three billion pounds of ten-year uh, gilts overnight. A month ago, the yield was less than three point one percent. Overnight, they came in at four point one percent, and apparently the appetite was pretty strong from from buyers. Bank of England, as uh, at the thirty-year end, has uh, actually made no bond purchases at all uh, for the last couple of days. Only three point seven billion out of the thirty billion pounds that earmarked for themselves. So, uh, I mean, it, 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 I mean, what's that telling us? Is, is, it, is, is all the concerns over in, in the UK? Are we, are we just left with much higher bond yields, but everything else is, you know, everything else is settled down? Well, for now, it's certainly good news in that sense. Um, I, I think there's a couple of messages here. One, um, there has, there, there was a necessary increase in the term premium, if you like, or, or the, the, the risk for lending money to the UK, given all this uncertainty in terms of the fiscal plans and, uh, and the economic outlook. So uh, the question is whether that premium is now fair or, or whether there, there's still more to come. Um, and, and I suppose yeah. uh, there's, there's a bit of uncertainty in terms of what, what is going on on the fiscal side. Some of the uh, appeasing news, if you like, is that the, there's potentially a bit of a U-turn coming out uh, from the UK government. It remains to be seen whether we mm-hmm. really see a, a real U-turn uh, in terms of the big fiscal spending plans. Um, uh, so for now, that uh, there's a big question mark there. Uh, and I suppose the other kind of important element is, is what the interpretation of what's going on with the Bank of England. Uh, there have been some sort of question marks as to whether effectively printing money to buy longer-dated guilds uh, it's it's a form of QE, um, but at the moment the, the Bank of England is saying no. This is about uh, stability or financial stability, and certainly in terms of that financial stability is working. Um, uh, but um, and, and I suppose the question mark will be: Well, what happens after this program? Uh, will the Bank of England still commit itself mm. to you know uh, doing some QT, or, or will it stop doing QT in order to sort of help the government's fiscal spending well, plan? They, so, they said to the end of October, uh, I think, didn't they? I mean, so the, yeah, you know, it was a t- temporarily on hold, and then presumably they resume, but they can't do that. Obviously, that's right. If they're if they're still buying up, so we'll see. Or we'll see if, how, if gills start rising again significantly, yeah. then they'll have yeah. to step in. Uh, which again. it could, so, yeah. Which it could, as you say, if if we see more uncertainty, and and the, there's still an immense amount of uncertainty there. So it's one to watch. Look, the RBNZ. Uh, they lifted uh, by 50 basis points, just as anticipated yesterday. But we also got the minutes out, which said, showed that there was, you know, quite a bit of talk about a 75 basis point hike, but not a lot of attention on the markets. It's fair to say. Uh, well, there was a bit of a move up and, and down on 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 the news, and uh, but certainly, uh, I suppose. Um, Credit to the RBN said that they've been telling us uh, what they're going to do and they deliver on what they do. So, mm. so mm. that kind of uh, <laughs> makes things a little bit easier as, as and when the, the news comes through. So, so that's a good thing. Well, all central and, banks and are doing that. Well, no, you wouldn't get a central bank not doing that. Anyway, move on. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, arguably <laughs> some other central banks are, are difficult to harder to interpret in, in terms of what they're planning to do and how they're going to do it. So. 
Um, uh, so I suppose the, the point here is that they're very much committed to this idea that uh, further rate hikes should be expected. Uh, this idea that the, the you know the peak should be around four twenty five percent is still very much in play, and our colleagues in New Zealand th still think that uh, that should eventually happen by February next year. Um, and I suppose the other message here is that. It, the, the minutes revealed that the debate was between hiking 50 or 75 basis points. So it was no, mm -hmm. no signs of pivoting or no signs of slowing down here. Um, and certainly the, the inflationary pressures in New Zealand remain a major concern for the bank, uh, um, which again makes it very important for, for the next CPR release uh, this month as well. So uh, we get uh, Australian trade data today. We've had quite a bit of trade uh, data, actually, haven't we, uh, the last 24 hours? So we've seen the, the Canadian surplus weaken. Germany's balance of trade also falling quite markedly. Uh, so who's the winner in all of this? Well, the U.S. trade deficit has actually fallen by more than $3 billion, uh, in August. So again, I don't know whether that balances things out, but it's it, it's clear where the money's heading. Yeah, no, it is. And, and I suppose it also uh, is worth remembering that the trade deficit in the US is a drag to GDP reading. And, and if that deficit is declining, mm. it is actually improving the outlook for, for the Q3 GDP print as well. So um, that's another thing. Uh, but uh, um, overall, it's, it's a reflection of the slowdown in activities. This slowdown in trade activity has been driven by the good side. Um, and this is something that is also evident in uh, in Australia as well. We're seeing that those trade surpluses decreasing. And again, we expect that trade surplus to, to decrease a little bit more um, um, to today, uh, coming at 4.7 compared to 5.4 in the previous month. So, um, and, and China, again, will be a very important factor in terms of the slowdown uh, that is uh, coming through um, and also the slowdown that uh, will come through from all this policy tightening over the coming months. Well, lots of central bankers are out today and tonight. Bostick and Evans from the Fed amongst them. Uh, and Governor Kuroda from the Bank of Japan um, so 3% inflation uh, there now. They might not have a wages problem like, uh, you know, perhaps they're seeing in the United States, but uh, they obviously have a cost of materials and an exchange rate problem. Is he going to say anything interesting today? Um, yeah, so I don't think we will learn uh, much new from uh, Governor Corrida. If anything, he'll reiterate that commitment um, and that they're not too concerned about the impact uh, coming through from the currency. Um um, but uh, overall, uh, if anything, I suppose there will be that, that sort of reminder that, uh, that for, for the currency, for dollar, for the yen in particular, the move, the movement and volatility in US Treasury yields will remain a key factor, uh, and it will remain so given the policy from, from, from the Bank of Japan. Uh, now, the other aspect is, is the Fed speakers. We had Fed Daly speaking overnight, again, reiterating uh, the view that uh, the job is not yet done, that there's still more policy tightening uh, needed and very much committed to the 75 basis point hike uh, early next month. Um, and, you know, Fed speakers, uh, we have quite a lot of them coming through t uh, tomorrow or d overnight. And, and we think that the message will again be, you know, reinforce. Uh, no pivot. No pivot yet. And, and therefore, it will be very supportive for uh, U.S. Treasury yields and, and for the move up in the U.S. dollar that we've seen in the past 24 hours. Yeah, 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 absolutely. More of the same, presumably. So the ECB publishes uh, an account of its September policy meeting uh, today as well. German factory releases, uh, factory orders for August and uh, the Eurozone retail sales as well. Uh, so quite a bit to look out for in uh, in, in Europe uh, over the next 24 hours as well. But we'll leave it there for now. Good to have you back on board. We'll catch you again soon, Rodrigo. Thank you.
Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And tomorrow we're taking the morning call on the road. We'll actually be at the Australian Embassy in Paris uh, doing it from there. Uh, There's a special infrastructure week event that's going on in Paris and uh, we've got sort of like a side event talking about investing in Australian infrastructure. We'll no doubt tell you a bit more about that as well as all the other market moves tomorrow morning for the next edition of the morning call. For NAB, I'm Phil Dobby. I'll see you then from Paris. Au revoir.